Nightmarica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we are doing, please consider supporting patreon.com forward slash Aaron Sagers. Welcome to Nightmarica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhood. Episode 47, The Hammersmith Ghost Murder. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There was a ghost haunting the London neighborhood of Hammersmith in 1803. It was a tall figure. And, of course, it wore all white. It resembled the classic image of a ghost wearing a shroud or, as we may think of it, a bedsheet. Now, we know this imagery. A ghost wearing a bedsheet with eye holes cut out. This is the stuff of Scooby-Doo and even Beetlejuice. But why? Where did this trope come from? Well, around the 18th century, ghosts switched from wearing earthly clothes, such as armor, to wearing this well-known sheet, at least according to lore and, as represented, in paranormal pop culture, such as theater performances. Now, the sheet was used for theatrical purposes. Armor clanked, it was hard to maneuver on stage, and made a lot of noise. And if you're putting on a production of something, say, like Hamlet, and you wanted Hamlet's daddy to come out on stage, you wanted that ghost to be creepy-looking instead of just having a dude on stage that made that, that much noise. By comparison, sheets were quiet, they were creepy, they were immaterial, they were ethereal-looking. They were also more practical. And rather than being a bedsheet, they were really evocative of a burial shroud. Think about it. Back then, most folks, they could not afford coffins, so the dead might just be wrapped up and buried in this sheet or shroud. But the sheet was also used by priests to convert people. There was one story that I found in my research of a priest 
a preacher who connected a sheet to little crabs and set them scurrying about the graveyard. And the intent was that if someone were to walk by, a passerby, they might see this shroud moving about the grounds of the cemetery, and it might inspire them to get right with the Lord, save their soul, lest they also become a restless spirit. Mediums might also rig one of these sheets to wires during a session or a seance. But it was also used by criminals to torment and harass people. You could leap out and startle someone and then do whatever bad business you were up to and even commit assault. Now back to the Hammersmith ghost. In 1803, a ghost was stirring up trouble. People were seeing this specter, and they believed it might have been the spirit of a man who had committed suicide in Hammersmith the year prior, a man who had killed himself by cutting his own throat. He was supposed to have been buried in the churchyard. Now, that's what may have led to his haunting, because his soul was restless, and the theory was that those who took their own lives were not meant to be buried on such sacred ground. Now, this ghost that was seen was reported to be quite tall, and he was dressed in all white, and sometimes, according to court documents, it appeared that he was in a white sheet or in a calf-skin dress with horns on its head and glass eyes. Now, this sheet claimed victims. According to the Library of Congress's documents, when the church bell struck one o'clock in the morning, the, quote, specter seemed to flit along the fields adjacent to Black Lion Lane. Now, one man, Thomas Groom, he said that he was gripped by the throat from behind of this ghost. And as he shouted out for help, one of his companions who had been walking further ahead turned and returned to assist him. But by then, this specter had relinquished its grip. Another was a wagon driver, and this wagoner pulled eight horses on a carriage, and that carriage contained 16 passengers. He encountered the ghost, and he was so frightened he took off on foot, leaving behind his horses, his wagon, and his passengers. Also, an elderly woman was apparently scared to death after an encounter with this specter. In the 1815 book, Apparitions, or the Mystery of Ghosts, Hobgoblins, and Haunted Houses Developed, they told of one poor woman who was, quote, far advanced in her pregnancy of a second child. She was so much shocked that she took to her bed and survived only two days. She had been crossing near the churchyard at about 10 o'clock at night when she beheld something, as she described rise from the tombstones. The figure was very tall and very white. She attempted to run, but the supposed ghost soon overtook her, and pressing her in his arms, she fainted, in which situation she remained some hours, until discovered by the neighbors who kindly led her home, and when she took to her bed, from which, alas, 
she never rose. So this ghost claimed multiple victims. Two women, apparently, died at the hands of this ghost. Now then, there wasn't an organized police force. There was no one to look after the investigation of this ghost. So the town banded together, and they formed a good old-fashioned posse. We'll go get that ghost, I imagine they must have thought. Now, one of those men was 29-year-old customs officer Francis Smith. Francis Smith had a shotgun and a mission. When he set out on the night of January 3rd, 1804, he carried along with him that gun and the notion of catching a ghost. Because, as we all know, bullets kill ghosts. So he was on the hunt as he walked in the darkness down Black Lion Lane. Meanwhile, 23-year-old Thomas Millwood was a bricklayer. With a ghost on the loose, he did what any good boy would do, and he was checking in on his parents and sister to make certain they were safe. He sat with his sister, Anne, for a while, and then he began to step outside, ready to head home to his wife. Anne, his sister, had told him, quote, You had better go. It is dangerous for your wife to come home by herself. After all, there was a ghost on the loose. So shortly after, he exited onto the nearby Black Lion Lane. Anne later reported in court she heard a commotion. Damn you! Who are you and what are you? Damn you, I'll shoot you! She reported hearing. And then the large crack of a gunshot rang out in the night. Anne poked her head outside to call for her brother two, three, four times, but no response. Thomas, that night, was wearing linen trousers, washed very clean, a waistcoat of flannel, apparently new, and an apron, which he wore round him. His trousers came down almost to the edge of his shoes. He wore the uniform of a bricklayer, and that uniform was all very white. Nightmerica is brought to you by the Smell of Fear Candle Co. I love the way a candle can change the entire vibe and character of a room, and Smell of Fear brings a lot of literary and film characters to a room. These scents are inspired by characters and settings from stories and history. For example, there is the Telltale Heart Candle from the Essence of Poe collection, and that smells like the infamous oak floorboards with just a hint of tobacco that I imagine the crazed narrator of that story was frantically smoking. I also dig the Gonna Need a Bigger Boat candle from the Cinematic Sense Collection. Jaws is one of my favorite movies, and this candle, it puts me right in the action. It smells like salty sea air with the wood of an old fishing boat and just a hint of whiskey that Quint was most certainly knocking back. In fact, I was just burning the Gonna Need a Bigger Boat candle last night as I was reading a book, and it really just set the scene for me. Okay, I'm a paranormal a researcher and journalist, and I have to I have to say that I love the Sasquatch candle, obviously, from the Cryptid Collection. No, it, it does not smell like that stinky beast we all love, but instead it is inspired by the heavily forested areas in the Northwest that Bigfoot is said to roam, with hints of redwoods, cedar, pine, and earth. Other collections include 
the literary redolence or televised temptations. There is also the whiff of King. Think of Stephen King. So with more than 80 candles and counting, Smell of Fear Candle Co. has you covered, and they have new candles released monthly. For instance, there is the Beware the Crimson Peak. That is a new scent that smells like earthy red clay. And I love the TV show What We Do in the Shadows. And that theme song, You're Dead, it gets stuck in my brain all the time. So there is the You're Dead candle, which is an homage to What We Do in the Shadows. And it smells like red currant. And there is also the Spellman candle from inspired by The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And that has a classic dragon's blood scent. So these candles are a coconut soy blend with no paraffin, so they are eco-friendly. They're organic, renewable, sustainable, minimal environmental impact. They're also clean burning, and there is almost zero soot in comparison to other types of wax candles. I also like the fact that they are slow burning, and they have this fantastic scent throw. It fills an entire room, and it's nice that they're not made with nasty chemicals. So these candles are available in several shapes and sizes, as well as in different wax melts. Plus, Smell of Fear Candle Co. donates a portion of profit to various nonprofit organizations monthly. Past donations have gone to COVID relief funds and pet rescue organizations. And that's, that's just really nice. I like supporting a company that supports others. Finally, with the code NIGHTMERICA, you can get 15% off your order at thesmelloffear.com. Again, code NIGHTMERICA for 15% off. So check them out, Smell of Fear Candle Co. They make good sense. Thomas's wife had previously pleaded with him to wear an overcoat over that white uniform. According to records, in fact, just the previous Saturday evening, he told her he had frightened two ladies and a gentleman who were coming along the terrace in a carriage. Amusingly, that man dared to say, There goes the ghost. Millwood replied he was no more a ghost than that man was and asked him, according to his wife, did he want a punch in his head to prove that he wasn't a ghost. So this wasn't the first time Thomas Millwood had been mistaken as a ghost, but it was the last. Millwood died from a single gunshot wound that went through his mouth and exited out of the back of his neck. Smith was tried for murder, but he confessed. He said he believed he had encountered a ghost who had been plaguing the neighborhood. He claimed he had acted in self-defense when he went on trial for willful murder at the Old Bailey, which was the name for the Central Criminal Court of England and Wales. He said, quote, My lord, I went out with a good intention, and when this unhappy affair took place, I did not know what I did. Speaking to the deceased twice, and he not answering, I was so much agitated. I did not know what I did. I solemnly declare my innocence, and that I had no intention to take away the life of the unfortunate deceased or any other man, whatever. Unquote. So, was Smith's argument that believing a person was a ghost enough to convince the jury he had a defense 
against murder. It was. In fact, the jury said he was guilty of manslaughter, but not murder. And the newspaper, Newgate Calendar, said the defendant commanded great sympathy from locals. Now, this got the dander up in the judge's powdered wig. The judge said the jury could not return that verdict. Quote, However disgusted the jury might feel in their own minds with the abominable person guilty of the misdemeanor of terrifying the neighborhood, still the prisoner had no right to construe such misdemeanor into a capital offense or to conclude that a man dressed in white was a ghost. In this case, there was a deliberate carrying of a loaded gun, which the prisoner concluded he was entitled to fire, but which he really was not, and he did fire it with a rashness, which the law does not excuse. In all the circumstances of the case, no man is allowed to kill another rashly, unquote. Basically, the judge said Smith could not claim self-defense. After all, Thomas Millwood had done nothing wrong. And even if Millwood was a ghost, scaring people is not a major crime. And at best, it's a misdemeanor. So Lord Chief Baron MacDonald kicked it back to the jury and told them to return with either a straight-up innocent or guilty conviction of murder. And they did, and they found him guilty. Smith was sentenced to death, hanging and dissection, though within three weeks, that was commuted to a year in prison with hard labor, thanks to the involvement of the Crown. The real ghost did eventually come forward, at least one of the ghosts. He was an old shoemaker named John Graham, and he said he pretended to be a ghost to scare his own apprentices because they had been scaring the shoemaker's children with ghost stories. A bit of a twisty, turny, ironic logic there. Still, in 1824, new reports of the Hammersmith ghost arose. This time, it was granted the superpower of fire-breathing. The Hammersmith ghost was also seen repeatedly until Spring-Heeled Jack took its place in the popular conversation, and that took place in the late 1830s. The Hammersmith ghost, or Smith's attempted defense plea, haunted British courts for nearly two centuries, and in 1983, there was a man who believed he was witnessing another man attacking a person. The first man stepped in and assaulted the attacker, only to discover the supposed attacker was actually trying to apprehend a thief. Now, this man was arrested, he was put on trial, and the judges in that case later allowed for the notion of self-defense or violence committed under mistaken good faith, if it is a reasonable mistake. So essentially, they would have ruled in favor of Smith in 1804. Today, visitors can still visit the Black Lion Pub, where Millwood was taken after death, and the entire incident is commemorated with a plaque. So in 2004, there was a landlord by the name of Kevin Sheehy, and he told the BBC that, quote, 
we do have strange goings-on in the pub. He went on to say that the chef lives upstairs and has been woken up half a dozen times by someone speaking his name, but there was no one there. So perhaps the murder of the Hammersmith ghost actually created the Hammersmith ghost. Thanks for listening. Please consider giving Nightmarica a review on Apple Podcast. It really helps raise awareness and boost the show's rankings. Also, give me a follow on social media, at Nightmarica on Instagram and Facebook, and at Aaron Sagers on Instagram and Twitter. And share Nightmarica with your friends. If you are able, I'd appreciate your support on patreon.com forward slash Aaron Sagers, where I also create tiki recipes, hold live streams, and share exclusive content. Don't miss new episodes of Paranormal Caught on Camera on Travel Channel and Discovery+. Plus. If you'd like to share your own paranormal stories or get paranormal advice for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com. <laughs>